Section 14 of the Rainbow Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Christine Rucker. The Rainbow Book by Mabel Henrietta Spielman. Father Christmas at Home. Twilight. It was afternoon on a cold December day. Ava, all alone in the schoolroom, sat down on the hearth rug and looked thoughtfully into the fire. She was, however, not quite alone, for her tiny Yorkshire terrier sprang on her lap, and after turning round and round, pawing at her frock as though to make a comfortable hollow, settled cozily down. Dot, she said, smoothing her hair back from its eyes, I'm very miserable. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve, and everyone is happy except me. I'm in trouble again. Somehow I'm always in trouble. I've spoilt my velvet frock washing your feet, and you didn't want them washed, did you? The Honorable Dot, to give it its full title, looked desirous of forgetting the incident, then licked her hand as a reply seemed expected. Perhaps if I had some brothers and sisters, they'd get into mischief sometimes, and it wouldn't always be me. Dot paid no heed to her grammar, was bored, and sighed heavily. I didn't really mean it when I said I gloried in being naughty. Don't snore, Honorable. There'll be complaints from next door. It was curious, but Ava was having remorse, brought on by all the talk of peace and goodwill which was in the air. I've tried things before, she muttered, but I'd know what I'll do this time, she exclaimed. I'll give a cot to a hospital. The little dog growled a protest as she suddenly got up from the floor. Ava counted the money in her money box. I've five shillings, all but three farthings. I'm sure that is nothing like enough, she mused. It must cost at least a million sterling pounds. Tears came into her eyes, but they flowed down onto a smile. As she thought of someone who always managed to do kind deeds and who might help her. Father Christmas! Ava thought of asking no less a person than Father Christmas himself to advise her. But how to find him? and get a nice quiet chat with him was the difficulty. That he would come to her on Christmas Eve she had no doubt, as he never forgot her. But she had only managed to be awake and see him once, a long time ago, and then she but got a glimpse of him, for he rushed out of her room as though in a terrible hurry. Dot's little mistress slept badly that night. She was racking her brain as to how she could manage to remain awake so as to see Father Christmas when he came, and then how she could coax him to stay for a talk, for she knew quite well how busy he must be when he was on his rounds. The following afternoon, during a general rummage that was going on to find tiny candles and colored glass balls that were over from last year's Christmas tree, Ava picked up a scrap of printed paper which had come out of an old cracker. She took it upstairs to her favorite spot on the hearth rug and read it aloud to Dot. Father Christmas sends this note from out his mansion by the moat to all who live on land and sea to honor Christmas Day with glee, inviting them to pass his way 
with glee to honor Christmas Day. Ava flushed with excitement. Why, it's a message from him, she cried. It's some kind of invitation. And she gave Dot such a squeeze of delight that the little creature squeaked shrilly, scurried off, and laid low under the table. She thought and puzzled and pondered over the lines she had just read. At last she grasped their meaning. Of course, how simple after all, she concluded. He lives at some moated house, and I must go to him, not wait for him to come to me. He always comes down the chimney. That's the way I must go up. Ava didn't hesitate a moment. The opportunity had come, for which she longed. She ran downstairs into the large, old-fashioned hall, which was overheated, as usual, by the hot air pipes, for the huge chimney place was too much of a curiosity ever to be used. Here, she felt sure, was the starting point of her adventure. Luckily, no one was about. It was windy when she looked up the great chimney, so she took her long fair hair and made it into a loose plait in order to keep it from blowing about her face. Then she prepared to start and secure the first footing. Ava had never been up a chimney before, and when she began climbing, she was quite surprised to find how nice and clean it was, with steps and all white tiles. She toiled up and up and could see blue sky and fleeting white clouds above. After a time, she stopped to rest in a little recess in the chimney side. When she started climbing again, the blue sky faded away, twilight came on, and in this very, very long chimney, the light became quite dim. Very soon, however, she felt with a little thrill of pleasure the keen air all around her head and shoulders, and she knew she had come to the top. Fortunately, there was a ladder already placed for Father Christmas to mount, and down that she went, looking below all the time so as not to make a false step. It was a very, very long ladder indeed, and Ava began to think she would have to go on stepping down forever when at last she found herself on the ground again. In a country field with hoar frost stiffening the blades of grass, across which she ran straight ahead as hard as ever she could go. Starlight Once only did she halt by the side of a lane to consider what she should do if she couldn't find her destination after all. Two robins alighted in front of her, hopped about, and fluttered forward. They were so persistent that they interested her and she followed them. They flew along a side path and Ava ran after them ran till she arrived eager and breathless at a wooden bridge, and found that she was in a park, that above her was the dark vault of heaven decked out in all its diamonds, that the bridge led across a moat, and that in front of her was a splendid old country mansion, brilliantly lighted up, where the robins alighted on a window sill, and paying no further attention to her, busied themselves with crumbs. Then Ava advanced, almost in spite of herself, went up the front steps, and standing on tiptoe, lifted the knocker and let it fall. The knocker resounded for a while musically, like a peal of bells. When they ceased, the door opened, and a very ancient man confronted her. He was tall and thin and bent, and was dressed in raperies, with bare legs. 
and he had a funny little curl in the middle of his bald forehead. Is Father Christmas at home, please? faltered Ava. Yes, little madam, came the reply. Do you want to see him, really? But you will be astonished, I warn you. Aren't you frightened? Not a bit, replied Ava. Brave little girl, said the very ancient man. Come in. And he ushered her into the oak-paneled room. It had a delicious sense of comfort and a delight about it, which, for the moment, she didn't try to define. Her attention was attracted by catching sight of what she thought was her own reflection in a large mirror against the wall. It was a little girl who came in at the same time, and was of exactly her own height. As she looked closer, she saw that the other child was uglier than herself, unkind in expression, slovenly in appearance, and tried to hide herself rather in the dark corner where she remained. And Ava, in the novel surroundings, soon forgot all about her. At the far end was a great log fire, and near it a huge armchair, in which sat a stout, healthy, red-faced old gentleman, warmly wrapped in a crimson dressing gown. He was leaning back, thinking or dozing. Ava advanced with soft steps. She was full of eagerness and excitement for she recognized the white-bearded, handsome old face at once from the many-colored portraits she had seen. It was Father Christmas himself. Ava never knew what impelled her to do it, but when she got close to him, she simply threw her arms around his neck and kissed him. Bless my soul, exclaimed Father Christmas, starting, and catching her up, he seated her on his knee. He recognized her at once. How you've grown since last year, Ava. And he looked at her with beaming eyes. I suppose you know you're trespassing, and the penalty is forty crackers or a kiss. And he chuckled and laughed so merrily that she felt quite comfortable, finding trespassing a very pleasant occupation, and wasn't a bit alarmed at the penalty. And what brings me this honor, he continued. Good evening, Father Christmas, spoke Ava quite boldly. I'm afraid I disturbed you. Oh, yes, you've disturbed me, all right, he replied briskly. But I was only resting a little after my labors before going on my rounds tonight. What labors? Toys, toys and sweets. I've been making toys and things all the year through, and I have only just got them finished in time. I love making crackers, too. I spend all my evenings writing mottos for them. I found your invitation, Mr. Christmas. Bless me, did you now? He stroked his beard thoughtfully for a moment and remained silent. Ava looked about her in amazement. Those are all secrets, he observed after a time. Father Christmas included with a sweep of the arm the toys which were everywhere about, hanging from the ceiling, lying about on the tables and sofas, standing as ornaments on the mantelpiece, filling the shelves of the bookcases, peeping from behind the glass cabinets. Toys wherever one looked. 
He arose and, taking her by the hand, led her round to enjoy the pretty sight. And paying no attention whatever to the sullen little girl in the corner, he asked Ava if she would like to see around his domain. Oh, yes, yes, she cried. She quite appreciated the special honor that was being done her. They'll be coming in here soon to pack, he added. I'm going to leave all these secrets myself at their destinations. There was a tremendous bustle going on at the rear of the premises, where a whole army of packers, carriers, postmen, and porters were hurrying about, letting down toys from the loft, packing them, labeling them to places far and wide, loading them on huge vans which came rumbling in and out of the courtyard with the cracking of whips and parting shouts of good luck superintending the arrangements walking to and fro was the very ancient man he was so alert and always on the spot where wanted yet ava was thinking his age must be at least two hundred when father christmas said kindly my dear, this is my father. He is known as Father Time, and you know him without having really met him face to face before. I didn't recognize him, and I didn't know he was your father, sir, she whispered. Why, yes, don't you know that my full name is Christmas Time? Of course it is, she exclaimed with a laugh. The next visit was through a covered way to the printing works where mottos and directions for toys and Father Christmas's visiting cards were printed. These cards were all different in design, and each was a beautiful picture stamped with his name and his own motto, Peace and Goodwill. Behind was the sweet factory with its tempting packets and muslin stockings of all sizes full of sugar plums. But as Father Time appeared, Father Christmas whispered that he feared they must not linger and led the way up a spiral staircase in order to enable Ava to have a peep into the toy loft, where the men were letting toys down into the busy yard below. How she would have loved to stay longer in each delightful place, but without a murmur, she followed her guide below and back to the oak-paneled room. It looked so bare and different without the toys, much like an ordinary room. And now, my dear, he said, you must excuse me for a short time, as I must go upstairs and get ready. Please ought I to be going? she asked politely. No, no, not yet. And he went away up the grand staircase to his bedroom. There he took from the drawer his scarlet fur-lined cloak and hood with wide swans-down trimming, which had been put away in lavender, chose his thickest taut, and humming a song, proceeded to array himself for the long, cold journey in store for him that night. Meanwhile, the moment he left his little visitor downstairs, the strange-looking child approached her. "'What's your name?' asked Ava pleasantly. Ava, came the surly reply. Why, that's my name. Of course, I know you. I know you through and through, good and bad, and I wish I didn't. You're a horrid storyteller, said Ava angrily. Supposing I am. It's easier to tell stories than to tell the truth. Saves a lot of trouble. 
Besides, it's nice. You know that as well as I do. Ava would have liked to deny it, only she felt too scornful. Saves trouble, she said to herself. Makes trouble. But she flushed as she remembered she had once thought that too, but only for a moment, and she was ashamed of it now. She was ruffled and uncomfortable at the proximity of this horrid girl, who now said slyly, Look over there in that cover. There's a doll that has been forgotten. I want it, and I'm going to take it and hide it under my pinafore. You mayn't, you mustn't, cried Ava. It would be stealing. I don't care. Father Christmas won't know. Yes, he will. I shall tell him. Then I'll say it was given to me. You dreadful storyteller. Don't be silly. What does it matter telling stories and stealing so long as you're not found out? It's just as bad if you're not found out. But you are bound to be found out, cried Ava in horror and disgust as she saw her approach the coveted treasure. I tell you, wicked people are always found out. They never escape unpunished. I want it, and I'm going to have it. You mustn't come away. You shan't shouted Ava, running after her, and seized her by both wrists. Come away, oh, do come away. You fool, leave me alone, get away. And with a scoffing laugh, the girl shook herself free, sprang on the sofa, opened the cupboard, and stretched out her hand. Without a word, Ava threw herself upon her, slammed to the glass door, and in the struggle they fell together on the floor. There was a crash of broken glass, and through the noise, Ava heard the voice of her opponent saying faintly, Let me go. You have won. When she got up, carefully shaking the bits of glass from her frock, and looked round, the horrid little girl had disappeared. The next moment, her host stood in the doorway with a curious smile on his face. I'm going now, he said. Will you come? Oh, please, Father Christmas, exclaimed Ava ruefully as she looked at the glass on the floor. Do wait. I want to explain something. I I can't keep my father waiting, he answered gently. She followed him to the front door. There in the frosty night, a beautiful sledge was in waiting, hung with baskets and sacks overflowing with toys and sweets. Father Christmas took his seat and beckoned to Ava. To her joy, he lifted her on to his lap and wrapped his great coat about her. Father Time, who was on the box, shook the reins, and the two reindeer, impatient to be off, sped rapidly away amid the jangle of bells, carrying the travelers over the bridge through the park, past holly and fir trees all powdered with glistening frost, out over the country into the bright, crisp night. Moonlight. There was Ava with Father Christmas, all snug amongst his soft furs on his rounds. Why do you take some toys yourself, she asked, and send others away in the great carts? Those in the carts are for my export 
and wholesale trade, shops and so on. These I take are for my special favorites. You're on my list, my dear, you know. Eva's heart was full of tenderness and pride, but tears were in her eyes as she said, peering appealingly into his kind face, May I whisper something? He bent his head and she whispered. Bless my soul, was all Father Christmas replied, but he looked very pleased and jolly. And I should like to pay for it, continued Ava. I've got five shillings, all but three farthings. Never mind about that, my dear. But I'm sure I ought, she replied dubiously. Dear Father Christmas, you're always doing kindnesses. Could you tell me how to do something like giving a cot to a hospital or a free library or something? That's what I really came to ask you about. Only I forgot it until now. I'm so often in trouble, and I've so often tried to do some good, but it doesn't come off somehow. And she sighed. What you ask me is a secret, he answered. Some people are quick to find it out for themselves. Some people never find it out. But I will tell it to you, dear, because I know that by tomorrow you will be on the high road to guessing it. It is this. You need not give things. You needn't try to be good. Try only not to be troublesome. If you are sweet and gentle and kind, you give happiness. Not only do you give it, but you can then only find happiness yourself. Somehow it didn't sound a bit like a sermon. It was more like being told the delightfully easy answer to a difficult sum. Ava nestled closer to her dear old friend as she listened. It was all so peaceful, reassuring, and soothing. The moon was shining down on the sledge and its strange occupants, and Ava was just going to ask if he could tell her who the other little girl was and all about her when she felt her arms were being disengaged from where they clung about him and she found herself gently deposited on firm ground and alone. The Honorable Dot barked with delight, because it was Christmas Eve, and it was going with its little mistress to dine downstairs, and very joyful and succulent the event proved to be. Not long after, when it was fast asleep in its basket, Ava was sitting up in bed, waiting anxiously to receive the visit of her recent host. Father Christmas had done her so much good, and she wanted to tell him so, as she had had no opportunity of doing before. She was dropping asleep in that attitude when she heard a slight noise. Immediately she started up, and clutching tightly at a rapidly retreating figure, she laughed aloud to find she had succeeded in catching Father Christmas who, mildly yielding to her entreaties, sat down by her side. I have wakened you, he said regretfully. Oh no, I was waiting for you. And she told him about the happy time she had spent with him and thanked him nicely. What a dreadful little girl that other Ava was, she concluded. Who was she? Ah, said Father Christmas very quickly. She is what you might be were you to give way to bad feelings. 
I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, my dear. And without explaining further, he kissed her rapidly and withdrew on his business. Daylight. Outside the uncurtained window, the sun was shining. Snow had been falling softly and was piled high on the sill. And over the hushed landscape, from the far distance, Christmas bells were ringing. Ava joyfully hugged a large doll, which she had found asleep on her pillow. It was only later, when she thought over the past events in detail, that it appeared to her, though she had not paid attention to it at the time, that Father Christmas seemed ill at ease when he was her visitor. Perhaps it was because he was in a hurry. Somehow he was different from the stout, merry-faced old gentleman she had been to see. He had strangely shrunk to nearly as thin as her own father, and as pale comparatively, which she thought very odd. And when she looked up into that wonderful and mysterious old chimney again, she saw that it was all dark and black, and as uninviting as an ordinary dirty old chimney so that it was quite hopeless for her ever to venture up it again to find old Father Christmas at home. End of section 14